Someone who wants to become a game developer. Is it important that they study in university? And if yes, what should they study? Should they study computer science or something else like game design? It depends. If you're going to go to school, I would definitely suggest not just doing... In this episode of the Coding and Flow podcast, I will be talking to Harrison Farone, who is an iOS and Unity developer, ex-Microsoft technical writer, and also a best-selling author. And he has recently released the newest version of his book, Learning C-Sharp by Developing Games with Unity, version 2021. And in this episode, we will talk about everything you need to know if you want to get started with Unity development. We will talk about his book and learning strategies for beginners. We will also talk about things like, do you need to study in university to become a game developer? Also, do you need to be good at math? And how realistic is it to uh, become successful in the indie game market? Can you actually build your very own games without having a job at the company? We will talk about questions like this. And full disclosure, this is a sponsored video. They paid me to do this interview. Now I wanted to do an interview with a Unity developer anyway. And I think I did this interview in a really unbiased way the same way I do on my other podcast interviews, but I just have to disclose that this is advertisement. I get compensated to do this interview and to promote this book. And in the video description below, you will find a link to the book with a discount code so you can get it for a lower price. And then I wish you a lot of fun with this interview. So I like to start the episode with the guests saying a few words about their personal life as much as you're comfortable with sharing. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about yeah, what you do in your free time, what your hobbies are, and also uh, how you got into programming and sure. when you got into programming. Okay. Uh, well, most of my free time is spent programming or writing. Um, I love Funko Pops, so I collect these little guys, uh, read a lot of comics, play with my cats. Um, it's pretty, it's a pretty, I like quiet life. Um, But let's see. So I got into programming, oof, like 10 years ago. <laughs> Now I'm thinking about it. It's a long time ago. Um, I went to school for like English, actually, for my first degree and uh, kind of fell into a programming boot camp after that because I, you know, sort of needed a job and some, some tech skills and uh, learned how to do iOS development with Objective-C and Swift. And then sort of migrated into uh, teaching and writing and developing and finally got hooked up in Unity and C Sharp and kind of never looked back. And I do mostly it's only mobile or uh, mobile or Unity right now, like for the past five or six years. Well, you mentioned you have experience with iOS development. Does this also include app development or just games? No, I actually started out as an iOS app developer okay. for several years. Um, I worked at PricewaterhouseCoopers uh, in Chicago. I was their in-house iOS developer. Um, I've taught a bunch of courses on iOS, uh, mostly with Swift and a little bit of Agile. But uh, yeah, I haven't done most of the iOS stuff I do now is just for myself or consulting work. Um, but mainly I've been focusing on teaching game development in Unity for the past several years. So, and you enjoy game development more, I suppose, than app development? Ooh, it's a toss-up because I love Swift. 
So if I could make games in Unity with Swift, I would do that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, game development definitely is more where, I don't know, I see the potential for me, you know, enjoying my work <laughs> more. Uh, but I do love app development just because there's, you know, I like I like building systems and it's it's a lot, I don't know, I wouldn't say easier, but at least with mobile development, you don't have to deal with, you know, like game objects on the screen. So it's a little easier to build, you know, like, say, a networking layer, which is something, you know, I would find, you know, amusing on a weekend. And uh, in Unity, that's a little bit harder. You know, you have to deal with a lot of, of secondary concerns. <laughs> and you have written uh, quite a big book about Unity development. This is what we yeah. want to talk about here in this episode. Mm -hmm. Maybe you want to give us some uh, overview about the topics you covered there and the sure. general approach of this book. Sure. So I, when I learned Unity, um, it was really difficult because Unity was still pretty small. Uh, they had a very, you know, kind of small market share and they were sort of considered, you know, back, you know, eight, nine years ago, they were the hobbyist engine. So there wasn't a lot of, you know, they didn't have Unity Learn that didn't exist. You know, they didn't have everything you could either kind of find on YouTube or, you know, occasionally some blog posts. So I wrote the book I would have wanted like 10 years ago when I was learning Unity uh, and how to program. And I sort of wish I had started, you know, with C Sharp. I started with C++, which was it's kind of a hard language to, to learn for your first time. There's a lot of memory management that, you know, doesn't come naturally to usually to people like starting out programming. So uh, the book I wrote basically assumes you have zero programming experience. We start super basic. We go through kind of how, I mean, we're already all programmers. Like that's how brains work. You know, you take input, you make decisions, and then you execute them. So it's, it's pretty like, it's not, it's not this giant leap if you, if you take it kind of step by step. So we start with basics, you know, you learn how to write variables and some easy methods. Uh, we go into a little bit of object oriented stuff in the beginning, not too much, just enough to know, you know, like, you know, you could have an animal class and there could be several types of animals and each animal could have its own behavior and eat like easy concepts like that, that aren't like fully implemented in a game yet. And then we kind of build out, I don't know, like a, like a first person shooter prototype. And, you know, we talk a little bit about game design, not too much, but we do spend about half a chapter doing that. And then we kind of dive in, we white box a little arena, you get your player moving, you add some jumping and shooting mechanics, we make a kind of smart enemy. Um, it's, It's not terribly smart, but uh, it does kind of, it's kind of like a seek and destroy sort of thing. So if it has a really big radius and it's using Unity's navigation API. So basically the arena is walkable. Unity knows that. And if you, you know, walk within a certain range of the enemy, it kind of chases you. And if you, if you exit it, it kind of goes back to patrolling the area. And it all turns out, you know, into this fun little playable prototype. Um, we go into some intermediate stuff in the end of the book. Uh, we talk about some, you know, sort of advanced collection types. And then we go into data management, which is the new chapter uh, in this in this new edition for Unity 2021. And we've got kind of a monster chapter on how to, you know, load 
and save basically text JSON or XML data, which is everything you would need to keep track of your players or build custom levels or anything that you have to do with data because games, everything runs on data. So I felt that that was really missing from the new edition or from the previous editions. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. And I've um, read some parts of the book. I haven't read the whole book because at the moment, sorry, myself, it's a big one. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's quite a big book. Actually, I have the physical copy here. It's quite big. But what I really like is that you uh, explain stuff in simple English terms. So people can understand that this is what many uh, instructors are missing. They, uh, they become kind of blind for how, uh, for how this stuff looks for a beginner. They lose this beginner mindset. Yeah. And yeah. in your book, you really uh, explain stuff in single, simple English terms. And this is also what I try to do in my videos because I think, um, it's important. Yeah. Otherwise people don't get it. Yeah. The writing with, with as little assumptions or teaching with, with as little assumptions as possible is, is the key to actually getting people to learn. Cause if you're just assuming that they know things, you, that's a crap shoot. You could be totally wrong. So I totally agree. Yeah. It's important, <laughs> but it's also difficult at the same time. I noticed this myself. It's very um, difficult. There are some topics now where I'm more advanced than I've been a few years ago where I was still a complete beginner in my tutorials and I noticed that you start to uh, forget mentioning things that it's is important to understand oh, yeah. for beginners because it's things like variables and functions, they are second nature now for us, but uh, we must not. It's forget. like talking. Yeah. <laughs> but we must not forget that it's not so obvious for beginners. Right. And I think you handled this quite well from the parts I've read. And you also have these little pop quizzes and heroes trials, right? Mm -hmm. Which are basically there to cement the knowledge at the end of a, of a chapter. Yeah. So we have some, like the, the pop quizzes are just sort of, I like personally, I like testing myself just with um, sort of objective knowledge. So we have pop quizzes and we also, like you mentioned, we have the heroes trials, which are basically there. The answers are, you know, in are covered in the book or they're online in the in the code repository, but they're basically kind of extra stretch goals. And you can, you know, it's like, well, you know, why don't you animate something? We've already showed you how to animate something, but why don't you go animate something on your own, you know, in the game? So they're they're not required, but they are I I have received a lot of feedback and emails and things about you know, that's really where the, where the cementing comes in is like having to do it yourself, having about 80% of the knowledge that you need and figuring out the other 20%. And usually that's a pretty good balance there for learning a new skill, 80 to 90% known, 20 to 10% unknown. Yeah. I've also in my, uh, in some of my tutorials, I've also added some homeworks where people have to think for themselves. That's important. Otherwise, it's too easy that you just um, you just type out what's written in the book and then you don't remember anything. So it's really important to have these little tasks for yourself. Exactly. Coding by numbers. I mean, it could be fun for a little while, but it doesn't really help you. <laughs> yeah. And how much would you say from the book in percent is theory and how much is like building a real game hands-on? Or can't you put a number on there? Ooh. I don't know. I try and do it. I know this doesn't make mathematical sense, but I think it's... I think it's both because okay. I, every time we introduce a theory after, you know, chapter two or three, we're actually building it. Okay. Yeah. So makes sense, you know, maybe half and half, but I, I really think there's a lot more as we move through the book, it definitely takes a turn. You do have 
much more implementation because we're not just coding, but we're dealing with the Unity interface and we're like building things and adding objects and animating a little bit. So it's, as the book moves through, it definitely goes from, you know, 100% theory in that first two or three chapters to almost all implementation. Because by the end, you know, if you've been working through it kind of diligently, you're, you know, you're up to speed with what we're talking about. We don't really introduce any new, like, paradigms by the middle or end of the book because, you know, we're kind of in that object-oriented mindset and everything is based off that or the Unity, like the Entity Component System. Okay, so uh, of course, um, being a game developer is a dream job for many people. And <laughs> It's still a dream job for me. <laughs> I haven't quite gotten there yet. <laughs> let's, let's talk a little bit about the job market, maybe. And let's okay. start with... Someone who wants to become a game developer, is it important that they study in university? And if yes, what should they study? Should they study computer science or something else like game design? What do you think? Oh, that's a hard one because I tried that route. I have a game design degree and I didn't learn too much programming because it wasn't, in, it, they were, the curriculum was very new back then. So it, it depends. If you're going to go to school, I would definitely suggest not just doing design because that's going to be really hard to find a job unless you know you kind of get lucky and or you have a really good network which you know it's totally possible but I don't think anybody in games even artists should probably understand how like they don't need to know how to code but that it, you should at least know how code works how computers work how this all kind of translates into the playable product um so whichever route you're going, programming is usually fundamental. And uh, if you want to do game design, that's awesome too. Um, I would say, again, if you are going to the university route, you'll learn the most by doing projects. So you can't depend on, unfortunately, this is one of those uh, careers where you need a lot of time kind of breaking things and getting stuck. And it helps if you have, you know, one or two people that are like teammates and peers to like kind of go through that with you. Now, if you're not going to go to, you know, university, you're going to do a boot camp or you're just going to do self-taught learning. I mean, with everything that's out there right now, that's totally possible. I mean, MIT has open courseware. You can learn, you know, everything you need to know about computer science for free if you really, you know, wanted to go at it. Um so it is possible to get a job if you're self-taught in game development. It's not like oh, yeah. you need to say S degree, okay. No, not at all. Most actually, like I find that computer science topics are actually missing from a lot of people who do game programming and game development because they usually don't go into the computer science fields. They go into a separate kind of half and half like design or game programming curriculum at a school at least. And so I mean, it would be great if we had a little more computer science in game development, I think. What I read online on Reddit, I think, is when I Googled this question earlier, is that um, some people recommend to study computer science because you can still fall back to becoming an app developer if you don't find a job in game development, which you can't do with true. game design, right? <laughs> exactly. So that's, yeah, again, it's like game design is very specialized, so it's a gamble. And yeah. I think that's a disservice for universities to kind of pitch that without any kind of fundamentals. And in most most curriculums, you know, nowadays that I've been looking at uh, seem to have figured that out. Like no one goes, not a lot of people go through without at least touching some code. 
Um, but it's definitely, especially if you're self-taught, like if you're learning C Sharp and Unity uh, or like read my book or somebody else's book, you can totally take that and start making C Sharp console applications if you want it or app development or anything like that. How is the job market in general? Is it realistic today to get a job in game development or is, are, there, are there too few jobs? How, how do you think is the situation? What I've noticed and the reason why I don't have or haven't pursued that, that as much is because I've seen, I've seen a lot of people have to get in through QA and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but that is a lot of time that you have to spend not doing what you want to do. What does this mean exactly? When you're oh, I'm sorry. Quality assurance. So they're testing. So a lot of programmers and designers and artists get into the industry through these quality assurance jobs. And you're testing. And sometimes as you move up, you know, you're writing tests, you're managing groups of testers, and then eventually, you know, hopefully you get into the design or programming side. Um, it is possible to jump right to a design or programming role. Uh, it's very difficult. Again, you have to you have to really network and it's very important to have, um, I would say, a lot of like a few core projects on your GitHub or something because it's very hard to get out of school in this kind of with this kind of degree and jump right into the industry without, you know, some really good examples of what you can do. And if you're self-taught, I mean, that you're kind of in the same boat. Um You just need to start, like you need to start and you need to keep making things. So um, building projects uh, for your portfolio is a good idea, just like an app development. Yeah. And how, mm -hmm. how big should they be? Is it enough to watch a beginner tutorial and build a small project? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. You don't need to build a, a full game with story and everything. No, okay. no, not at all. I, I've gotten this question a few times and I've, I've, I've helped a couple people do their portfolios. My, my approach, especially with Unity, it makes it, It makes it kind of nice because each, you know, games like full, full, full AAA or full bodied games can be broken down into several core elements, right? So a good core project could be like make a really cool movement, player movement and camera controller. Like that is like you could have it with, you know, a capsule. It doesn't, you don't have to have game art or anything, but, you know, if it works and it's showing some interesting functionality and you're mastering You know, if you can show, you know, some good clean code, maybe some design patterns, if you're at that level, like that's perfectly fine. If you want to do like just a user interface that has a really great background layer that uh, that manages all the game's data. Great. That's, you know, a small piece. If you want to do an enemy mechanic or even a player mechanic, like, like I said, they, they don't have to be full games. They need to be full features, though. So like full co com core components or features of a game. That really shows, like, if you were put, like, employers are looking for, if they dropped you into a team right now, how much would they have to teach you, right? How much would it cost them to get you up to speed and producing meaningful work? And from my perspective, if you can show, you know, these small core projects, that's a pretty good indicator that, like, you can create something that's sort of, you know, that's complete, but, you know, meaningful to a game like nobody now programs an entire game like at, at a high level like indie developers do but no one person is responsible for like you know a massive game you 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 break out the teams into components or the components into teams and then they make you know each small thing and you put it together 
Yeah, that makes sense. And if someone starts at zero today, how long should they expect it takes them to get job ready? Ooh, depends on the person, but I would say, I mean, at six months of really like diligent kind of work on your own and just for trying to get a general like entry-level software development job with C-sharp, um, like six to nine months, I think that's doable. I mean, can't really quote me on that because that's different in every country, but, uh, you know, Unity is a little bit, it's it's difficult. You can freelance anytime you want. I mean, technically, and you know, Unity jobs are skyrocketing. Everyone needs a Unity developer because you can do so much with Unity. So I wouldn't, if you were just starting out and you had, you know, six months to a year of C Sharp and Unity experience, I wouldn't limit yourself to just applying for game jobs. I would look for any company that even that's like doing commercial visualization or like VR walkthroughs of real estate or, um, you know, any kind of uh, simulation work, even if it's, you know, weird and, and, you know, not games, like it, it doesn't matter if you get that experience under your belt where a client comes to you and says, you know, I need this visualized in 3d and I need this and I need this. And they have, you know, a core feature list and you implement that successfully I mean, even if it's not a playable game and it's, you know, like a commercial simulation, that's still technically, you know, a game to me in terms of how you make it. So don't limit yourself to just applying for game companies because that's going to be uh, that's going to be tough in any market. So there are also offers on freelance sites. So it has a healthy mm -hmm. freelance market, if I understand this correctly. Yeah. And so this is also an option maybe for people who don't want to work in a company or would you recommend working in a company? Honestly, I would recommend working at a company just to learn the logistics of how a business like this works. If you already have experience freelancing, go for it. Like if you already know how to pull, you know, kind of like template contracts, how to do, you know, set up your LLC, how to do your own taxes. Like if you know, You know, if you know how to have a, you know, put together a client pitch deck, you know, these things you learn naturally if you work at a, at a company, but if you already have experience with that, or if you learn it on your own, like go for it, Get, like start freelancing. It can't, you know, as long as you do it with integrity, it can't really hurt you. If you're upfront about your skills and you stick to, you know, doing what you said, you know, go for it. And also one important question that often comes up is, How important is math in game development? Do you have to be a math genius? Ooh, I get this one all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely more important than in app development, right? Because at least you have to work a little bit with physics and stuff like that. So you need some basic math. math. Sure. You need, you need like, you know, human math. And when I say that, I mean like when you get up, you know, when you stand up, you know that you're exerting force to stand up, right? You turn, okay, I'm rotating technically. You know, these, these things that we, again, naturally do, like the way our minds naturally work in three-dimensional space is almost all you need because, well, especially with something like Unity, because Unity wraps a lot of their math into classes that you can use. So you don't need to know vector. I mean, it helps to know vector math, like the basics of it, but like all that, anything complicated can be looked up online or like, you know, you can take a small course or read a book, but Like, that's really if you like it. Like, I've never had to struggle through, like, 
you know, going and learning, like taking a class just for game development for math. Like everything, especially in Unity that you do in real life, they've made it very, you know, intuitive, you know, with a lot of their stuff that they offer. That's, you know, they kind of hide the crazy math and they say, well, what do you want to do? Say, well, I want to create a 3D, you know, a a dot. Say, okay, well, from your, you know, middle school, you know, Cartesian coordinates, you know that that takes an X and a Y in 2D and a Z in 3D. Great. Put in three numbers and it creates a point for you. You know, there's not, you know, when you get into things like, well, I want, you know, the player to always, or the enemy to always look at the player, or I want the camera to do something, you know, to be offset and kind of hover all the time. That kind of stuff, um, again, is totally out there, right? Like now, like it wasn't 10 years ago, but it's, you know, those kind of solutions and, you know, things that you can learn like that are definitely readily available online. So I don't think math should scare people because it scared me when I first started. I don't think, and I was a limiter. Don't let, don't let game math scare you. You already do it every day. <laughs> I actually had to, uh, what's the second worst grade in school in math in year in English? In, in Germany, it's, uh, it's a, a five. Okay, in Germany. Oh, it's, it's a D. Germany, you have it's a numbers. D. Yeah, I had a D in, <laughs> in math, actually. Um, but because I, I was too lazy to do any work there, doesn't necessarily mean that you're really that bad in math. No, I mean, I know lots, I know a few people that have come to me and been like, I hated math, but I understand, you know, 3D math. Yeah. I hate, like, I can't do calculus, but like, hey, like rotations and axes and, you know, points in space make really good sense to me. And it's also Great. important if you're interested in the stuff you're learning. This makes a, a world's difference if you're actually interested oh, yeah. in this kind of stuff. So if you are, if you want to build games and you're naturally curious about this, then it will also come more naturally to you than sitting in a boring math class in school. Exactly. Exactly. And like you learn along the way. By the time you've built your first kind of throwaway prototype, you'll know a lot more math than you think you did. Like just, just inherently from working with a 3D engine, you'll, you'll, you'll kind of amaze yourself at how much you know from real life. Yeah, and they also, as you already said, Unity, they try to make it understandable for humans. So you don't have to mm-hmm. create everything from scratch. You have stuff like gravity and 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 this kind of stuff yeah. out of the box already. You just have to enable it, basically. And then you, can, exactly. then you can set stuff like gravity and friction. And this is, you, you don't have to write the calculations for everything from scratch. I mean, you, no. you probably can if you want, but it's easy to get started with. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Anything like like you said, the physics system is very involved, but it's also very accessible. Like you don't need to know the physics system in Unity in and out to start. You just, you know, you they have you they have everything for moving and rotating and, you know, do like you said, setting gravity and setting animations and everything is available and you can go as deep as you want, which is you know, the nice part. So basically when you, for example, what I also saw in my beginner tutorial, when you uh, just play stuff on the screen, it will of course float in the air, but then you can put a rigid body component on it and you tell Unity this is supposed to be a physical object and then it starts falling down and having yeah. gravity. And then yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, Unity knows, Unity is very smart. They've done a lot of work in the engine. So those the way they use, you know, their component system, like you said, you just attach something and all of a sudden it acts completely differently, but it acts the way you would think an object would act with gravity. Besides building your 
own little projects for your portfolio? Do you have any other tips when it comes to getting a job, anything important? And also what I wanted to ask is, do you put these projects on GitHub, like for app development, or do you yeah. have to put them somewhere else? Mm -hmm. Because one, no. one problem I noticed with GitHub is that you have, uh, it's different with large files, right? You need, need large file storage for some stuff. Mm -hmm. If they exceed, I think, 100 megabyte is, I think, the threshold. Yeah, if, yeah. So with Unity, uh, GitHub now has, or it has had for a long time, a, uh, a Unity gitignore file. So when you create the repository, create it with a gitignore and uh, choose Unity. They have a default one. And anyone that doesn't know what that is, it basically is how the project is configured. And it ignores certain files that can be, that are automatically built anyway on your computer when you load up the project. So you use a, get, a Unity gitignore, and most things, like I have a bunch of small stuff when I was starting out in Unity, and I didn't have to use large file size um, or large files on, on GitHub until much later. It's usually the, the art assets, quite honestly, that make, the, that make the, the memory go up that much. So especially with beginning stuff, if you're using the, they're called primitive objects, but if you're using the default objects in Unity, which are totally fine for, for these kinds of things, I don't think you'll really need the large file. Like that shouldn't stop you. Like I don't think you'll need the large file stuff. Yeah, large file is actually 100 megabyte per file. So as far as I know, so if you don't have any zone files or stuff like that, that is that big, then you can actually get along without the large file storage. But even then, it's not a big deal. Um, for example, if you use the GitHub desktop client, then it will set up everything for you automatically. You don't even have to yes. set this up yourself. And it also gives you the, the git ignore file you mentioned for Unity. This is also set for you automatically. You just have to select it. Yeah, I love the git the GitHub desktop app. <laughs> it's so much nicer than how than how the terminal used to be. Um, but let's see. You asked the first question. I'm sorry, we jumped right to GitHub. Oh, what what should they have to get a job? Okay, so the other things I don't. This is just seems to me how software recruiting and software industry works. I don't necessarily agree with having to know this stuff right off the bat for an entry-level position because it's things that you can learn on the job. But anytime you see a software development kind of like job requirement, a lot of the time it is more computer science focused. So you'll see things like knowledge of algorithms, knowledge of data structures, knowledge of you know uh, CPU or GPU optimization. Um, knowledge of design patterns, knowledge of, you know, functional and object-oriented programming, or what, it, like a lot of things that, that a computer science, you know, graduate would know. And like, like I said, if, if you're going into an interview, I would at least be able to talk about these things because you're going to get asked. Um, you, you know, you can probably, you can get away with being honest and being like, well, I know what they are. You know, I've had some experience with them, but I'm not, you know, at a super high level with these concepts. Like there's no, there's no shame in saying, you know, in being honest about your capabilities, but you will run into a lot of these more CS uh, leaning requirements a lot of the time, even in game development, especially for programmers. But you can learn the stuff on the job. Oh Yeah. You can learn this stuff on the job, and there are a few really good books. Again, um, like MIT Courseware has courses for this. Um, there's there are a few. I found some really good because people have asked this question a lot. So there there are a couple of really good GitHub repositories um, that 
sort of have compiled some really good resources or like a like do-it-yourself curriculums in terms of like a good balance of game design and programming and computer science topics. Um, and that really helped me out. So like, you know, what I did when I was starting out was uh, I went and looked at the um, course requirements and reading lists for basic computer science courses in universities. And I found that a lot of them use the same books. So I read those books. You know, it's, you know, you're not getting the degree, but you can definitely read the same things that, you know, the computer science students are reading. And besides getting a job, another big dream for many uh, people interested in game development is, of course, having their own indie games on an app store, oh, yeah. for example. Mm -hmm. This seems very appealing because then you can create the whole thing by yourself and you not only create a small part of the game, but you create the whole game with the story and everything. And what do you think about the mobile indie market? Is it How realistic is it for someone to actually uh, make sufficient income to survive from it by creating their very own indie games what do you think about that oh i think i mean it's always it's always hit or miss you always but having said that if you're gonna make a game and you want to make money especially on mobile you're gonna go for like the casual indie game market which is basically games that you can play on you know on your ride to work It's not something that you need to have a story for. It's not really anything that you need, you know, to be involved with, but it's challenging enough that someone will still pay attention while they're doing something monotonous, like they did the, you know, being on a train or something, going to work. Indie games in like larger content, like larger indie games that are like fully featured and have story and all this, it's a lot easier now to make them. I'll say that like you can cross publish to like PlayStation and Xbox and all that stuff from Unity even if you wanted to. Everything's a lot more accessible nowadays, but um I don't think that's it's definitely difficult to build a really good yeah. game because you have to do more stuff than just uh, writing code. You need graphics exactly. and sounds and a story and everything. But yeah, some smaller casual games uh, I could imagine building them. Yeah, especially on mobile, like that's a big market. Like you might have to make a lot of them to like get a hit and to get enough experience to see what people actually want to play. But the the casual the casual gaming market is still pretty open for indie developers. And if if someone wanted to build a bigger game with a story and everything and they have the patience for it, um first of all I want to say it, they should probably uh, um make sure that it's something that they enjoy the process because they can't be oh, yeah. guaranteed that they uh, that they actually have success with that. So if you like doing that, then that's something they can try out. But how would you how would you go about finding graphics and sounds and stuff like that? Would you uh, try to hire someone? Would you go to Fiverr or how would you do that? Because just when I say it's completely different from coding, right? Coding is just one oh, yeah. part, but you also need these assets and everything. Oh yeah, there so like programming, design, audio, art. Those are usually the four main pillars that you would either specialize in in your career or specialize in in school. Um you can do some of those, you know, still being a programmer. I don't have, you know, like, you know, you, sometimes you just do need an artist or art assets and you can't do it yourself. Um Unity is a great like the Unity asset store great place to go 
free assets everywhere. <laughs> um, even the, and like the paid assets started, you know, kind of nothing and you get the rights to publish and whatever. So there's no licensing or anything. There, there's no issues once you publish. If you wanted something more custom, uh, I don't know. I would, I would still look for conventional artists that have 3d experience. I mean, these are just, I find that the best relationships and the best kind of people that you find are through like enjoying their work. So if there are games that you like, find out who did the art. Like it's really that simple. Like if you like assets on the asset on the Unity asset store, but they're not quite what you want, like email the, email the artist, email the publisher. Like, can you make something custom for me? You know, these it's, there's, there's no harm in asking and like admiring or asking people that you admire, like, you know, are you available for work? Maybe they won't be, maybe they will be. But there's definitely a large community around game development. Like, and you don't need, like I said, you can do all of this, you know, for free or to nothing to a certain level. Like, you're not going to get, you know, something, you know, crazy like AAA games have. But you can do this. Like, it's, it's possible to do this for very little money. Yeah, I've actually seen some dev vlogs on YouTube where people, uh, people build games. And they create all these assets by themselves. Usually this is pixel oh, art yeah. because pixel art is something you can learn relatively easy. And you can even mm -hmm. make your own zones. There are tutorials for that, how to create zones with your mouth, for example, and they sound like game yeah. zones then. So <laughs> it is possible to do this by yourself. Oh yeah. And like there, like you said, there are tutorials on Blender for like, or like um, for Maya or 3D Max or, you know, the, the core 3D modeling programs. And there are tons of, of YouTube videos about how to make simple assets. Like, it's, it's very learnable. <laughs> yeah, I've also built some models with Blender. So that's something you can learn. Yeah, it's perfectly learnable if you want to. But if, you know, if you're like, you know that you like programming and, you know, you make some connections and find some like-minded people that have other skills, like, use that. <laughs> that's how this all works. One thing that's still left then is writing a compelling story, depending on the style of the game. Do you have any tips for that? Maybe does it maybe help if people? It probably helps if people play a lot of games themselves, so they get an idea for that and also game mechanics. It does. But what what about, for example, reading books? Does reading uh, fantasy books help you with building a good game story? I don't think it's like they will help you because it's creative and it's mm. imaginative. I don't necessarily think that a style of book is going to help. It's kind of like being a screenwriter, I would imagine. Like if you read, you know, kind of core books around what makes stories good and like why, you know, human psychology likes certain parts of stories and using, you definitely need to, to read about uh, like user engagement and like how people really play games because game stories while the big, like big studios, you know, they're kind of like movies, like you kind of just play them and it's really cool and there's cutscenes and all that stuff. You know, if, if you're making, you know, a game that doesn't necessarily have that, you really do need to understand what drives humans to enjoy your product. And that's, you know, that's out there. Like there's, there's a ton of books about like how to write engaging stories, how to write narratives, how to, you know, keep your... Uh, your readers or your players engaged in what you're doing, how to keep them coming back, what kind of core mechanics that are playable make games really kind of addictive in, in a good way, not in a bad way. <laughs> But like everything, when you watch a movie, you know, everything, 
games are kind of in my mind like when you're writing a game you want to think about like what would you want to what parts of your favorite movie would you want to play and why because that's really where your engagement is like the the you know static you know non-interactable movie has if it's captured you that much like what if you could play it like what would you do that seems like a good approach i've also read i i've not read real um books about game design but i've read some gamification books gamification uh, yeah i i know that you have some experience with that i saw that on your linkedin i was interested in this topic because gamification is when you apply game mechanics to real life stuff right I, I was interested to uh, gamify my personal to-do lists and stuff like that so this is why i where i read some books about this but yeah um i just wanted to mention that that you need some knowledge about game design to make your game interesting you, you you can't do that intuitively usually because you need to understand a little bit about human psychology and what what keeps them motivated but it can all be learned as you already said oh yeah again like this is all stuff that is accessible at a basic level and if you want to go farther you can but all this information is you know once you start reading about it you're like oh yeah that makes sense because i do that like it's very easy to Uh, to quantify and sort of check off like, oh, this makes sense because I'm a human and I know that I have done that. Like, I know that that's how I have responded. One other thing I wanted to mention is that I've already talked or I've, I've briefly mentioned dev logs before that some people do. They create games and they document the process by creating these summaries on YouTube. And I just want to mention for people who watch this and who want to buy, uh, who want to build their own indie games, this is a great way of marketing. So instead of just sitting down at home and building it all by yourself, it's a really good way of marketing your game and creating interest by creating these devlogs on YouTube. I'm a big fan of them. And I think they are really smart, really good way of creating some hype around your game and actually getting sales then. That's just something I want yeah, to mention because, because many people make the mistake that they just sit at home, do this, and they hope one day when it's finished, they bring it out and people buy it. But this is usually not how it works. Marketing is important. Yeah. Yeah, especially if you're, I mean, you don't have to give away your whole game, but especially if you, you know, are saying what well, you've already tested it at home and you're like, well, I'm going to show you how I built my enemy mechanic from the ground up, like just a small piece, like, and then you can link them to your bigger GitHub project or whatever you want to do. You know, there's definitely, like you said, the marketing of it, but also the engagement from the community and sort of passing on what you learn yeah. is very important. And I personally, I really enjoy watching these devlogs. They can be super interesting, seeing how someone uh, builds the game. And then just just, oh, yeah. just because you watch this, you can become a fan and then you are suddenly interested in this game, even though you have never, you would have never found it in another way. Exactly. And everyone kind of, you know, programming, even though, you know, it's like anything else creative, even though the rules and the language are set, everyone sort of approaches it a different way. So like you said, it's very... It's very easy to watch these and be like, wow, I never would have thought of, it never would have occurred to me to, yeah. you know, make it like that, but that's cool and it works. Yeah. And what are your own learning resources? I, I guess you already talked about it, about books and courses. Maybe, maybe I can put some links into the show notes later. So what do you yourself use to learn? Do you also, I assume like, like app developer, you also just type stuff into Google and use whatever pops up there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's no, that's, there's no, there's no magic sauce to that. Um, but I do, nowadays, I do tend to look at more code than like tutorials nowadays, because, you know, as you get more experienced, 
reading someone's code is, you know, sometimes even better, like, cause you understand the big picture. Um, but I mostly look at people's code on GitHub, um, usually find that from YouTube tutorials. So like, that's, that's usually the way in is just to type in whatever you want and say, you know, unity, you know, character can 3d character controller, floating camera, see what happens, like see whose projects come up. You know, it's a lot of, it's a lot of reading. It's a lot of trial and error, but that's kind of what we signed up for. <laughs> and when you learn game development, of course, in the beginning as everything else, it's, it usually starts out a lot of fun, but then often there's a dip in motivation data. So do you have any general tips for people to stay motivated when they learn game development and when they work through your book, for example? Yeah. I mean, my book, I have tried to keep it small. I mean, it is, it is a fairly thick book, but it's definitely something that you can, that you can get through. Like it's not, it's not so long and like kind of dry and boring without doing anything. Like you can, you can work through this book. I mean, I've had someone work through it in a weekend who was like, wow, this got, you know, this was a lot of fun. I got a project, you know, I already knew some stuff, but you know, that was great for, you know, the burnout or the, like trying to keep your motivation up. I honestly, when I get, when I get frustrated or, you know, kind of demotivated with my own more complicated projects, I honestly go back and just find some fun, easy tutorial and I do it because it reminds you that it's, that this is fun. And I think a lot of the demotivation in programming in general comes with, you know, coming to a problem and not knowing, like kind of feeling alone and not knowing where to go and like kind of feeling stuck. And, you know, the, the important thing to realize is that you're not alone. Like go to Stack Overflow, go start talking to people. Like this is how you get better. It's not, it's as much as this is sort of a solo sport I would say in the long run, programming is a team sport because you're never going to do it entirely by yourself. Like no one's born knowing how to program. You have to learn. You have to talk to people. You have to get stuck and break things and fix it. So that's sort of my two cents. But I always, I love just going back and doing things that I know are sort of completable. Like that there's no, there's no like, will I won't, will this won't this work? Like go back and do something easy and fun. Like go to go to do some of the beginner or intermediate Unity Learn tutorials. Yeah, like makes sense. That stuff is heavily vetted. Like there's it's not gonna be there's no, you know, uncertainty, I would say, when you're doing that. You know, so let it go, breathe, relax, have fun, <laughs> and then go back to your project. And do you have any particular communities that you like to to uh, write with other game developers besides Stack Overflow? Reddit maybe? Uh, do you just Reddit? For yeah, it? I read Reddit. I don't actually post, but I do a lot of work with uh, the Ray Wenderlich website and they have iOS and Unity. So I'm on both of those teams. And even before I was involved with them in a professional way, like that was my go-to to like talk to people on discussion boards, you know, connect with the authors, connect with communities, just put questions out. Like I've put questions on Quora before, like pro like hard programming questions and I've gotten answers. Like, just see what's out there. <laughs> okay, so um, those are some tips about learning. And I was also interested in hearing, are there any, you already mentioned that you have experience with C++ before. And I was curious, 
C Sharp is pretty similar to yeah, C Sharp <laughs> is pretty similar to Java and in our community in Android um, development where I'm mainly active, people tend to uh, dislike Java now because it was replaced for a more modern language. I was curious, what do you like and what do you dislike about C Sharp? I like C Sharp because it's a re it's it's one of the more readable languages when you when you you know write your own code. Um and you know, it's closer to human than it is to machine, right? Like that's kind of the scale that you're always measuring. Is it super low level and you have to really be super specific and it's not grammatically correct when you write it? That's a very low level. C-sharp's in the middle to high. You know, it's it's easy to understand when you're reading it if the variable names are good. Like it all depends on who's writing the code. But um, yeah, I... I don't really have any complaints about C sharp, honestly. The I like that they keep getting they keep trying to not only simplify the syntax, but to make it more human readable, which is great. Like each new edition that comes or each new version that comes out, you do see uh the language evolving to be more readable, which is, you know, in my mind really great. Like that's why I love Swift, because it's almost grammatically correct when you write it. Um, and that, I mean, there's a lot of work that goes into that, so you can't really change. You can't expect older, more established languages to sort of make that change. But yeah, C sharp, I think C sharp and well, maybe Python are really good languages to start in. And how does memory management work in C sharp? Is it like in Java where there's this automatic garbage collection? Or do yes. You, yeah, okay. Yes. So you can, you can absolutely manage your own stack if you want. Um, but yeah, everything happens automatically if you're not, you know, if you're not kind of digging through that, which is why it's uh, one of the reasons why I like suggesting it as a first programming language. Yeah. And also one common question is Unity versus Unreal Engine. Which one is better? Oh. <laughs> and why did you choose Unity? Unreal Engine seems, it seemed to me more complicated, but I don't know if that's actually true. Oh, let's see. All right. So... When I was working at Microsoft, we worked with both. And to be fair and for full disclosure, my experience with Unreal Engine is very basic. I can make simple things. Uh, most of my experience with Unreal has either been in virtual reality or mixed or mixed reality, like augmented reality. So I chose Unity again because back when I started, it was the the hobbyist engine. It was for people that would just wanted to experiment, like to experiment and to kind of learn. And Unreal was like the big boy engine that had like, you know, you had to really know what you were doing. And plus, like you had to learn C++. You know, it's, it's very graphics heavy. Um, like Unreal, the rendering pipeline is really advanced. Um, the interface is much more, I don't want to say cluttered, but it's, it's, it's not as like, it's not as intuitive as Unity's, in my opinion. I like when I opened up Unity for the first time, I was like, oh, okay, this isn't too overwhelming. You know, they've got some windows and everything's there. And when I opened up Unreal for the first time, I was like, oh God, there's so much. Like, it's just so much. But it also depends on what you want to do. Nowadays, Unity is, uh, is kind of going toe to toe and feature for feature with Unreal. Now, there are some places where each of them still have. Um, kind of a leg up on each other. But I honestly chose Unity because it was, that was kind of like the learning engine. You know, C Sharp was easier than C++. 
Unity was a little easier to learn than Unreal, and that's how I got in. And then, you know, when I was like, well, okay, now that I'm experienced enough, let's try Unreal, I just couldn't, I couldn't switch my, my mindset over to it. That's not to say you can't. Um, I've met a couple people that, you know, do both, and it's perfectly fine. I think you should use the engines for what they're best at. If you need some really heavy, like, graphics processing and you're really, you're really involved in what the game looks like and you also want some really cool features, you know, maybe use Unreal if you're looking for, you know, a more intuitive engine interface or game engine interface um, with a lot of the same features, I'd go with Unity. It's all, it's all about preference, really, because they honestly, they both do, at the core, they do the same thing. Okay, and besides writing a book, have you ever thought about making videos on YouTube? Not on YouTube. I have, I have uh, several courses, so several video courses on uh, LinkedIn Learning uh, and Pluralsight. Uh, mostly iOS, uh, but I do have a couple, uh, especially on Pluralsight. I have a, I have a couple Unity ones and uh, some videos on some courses on C Sharp Design Patterns. Yeah, I should probably put links to them as well into the description box. People are probably curious to find them. Yeah, I'm going to, you know, that might be a next step. I, I've always wanted to try and do YouTube and or something like Udemy. You know, I've always wanted to put something on a platform like that and see what happens. Yeah, YouTube is a good way for marketing in general. Ad revenue, ad revenue tends not to be so much, especially not when it comes to um, content that's educational. Entertaining content is better in terms of ad revenue, but it's a good way to market your stuff. That's what I see YouTube as. So those were basically my questions about game development. Is there anything I didn't mention that you have we would have wished me to ask? No, you cover. I'm I'm really happy that we covered a lot of the things like how to get a job and what you wanna you know what you should be learning that kind of stuff. I think gets swept under the rug a lot, and I'm I'm glad we got to talk about it. Yeah, it's important. And I will put the link to your book into the description box with a discount code, right? Oh, that's right. Yes. Thank you. And thank you. And also uh, <laughs> um, links to uh, your courses that we mentioned mm -hmm. and anything else that was mentioned in this episode. And then my last question is, where can people find out more about you if they want to stay connected to you? Uh, I'm most active on LinkedIn, so you can find me. Just type in my name. Uh, I also have... Twitter and Instagram, if you want, uh, journeyman programmer and journeyman coder. And I'll, you know, we'll, I'll send you all those links. Uh, but most of the time, you know, just message me on LinkedIn or something. I, I do get a lot of messages, uh, and you know, I'm available to help people if they get stuck in the book or just, you know, after the book, I've had a couple people, you know, stay, stay in contact and like share some really cool stuff that they've been building. And, you know, that that's kind of the best part of this, honestly, is seeing who sticks around to like ask more questions or just to talk about, you know, programming or games or whatever. It's nice to build a community like that. Okay. So, um, yeah, again, people can check out all the links in the show notes. And then I thank you for coming in this episode and talking with us about Unity. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Florian. Recording.